Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Screenwriting Life. I'm Meg LaFove. I'm Lorian McKenna. And we just first want to start the show by saying thank you to all of our Patreon members. Something really special is happening with our uh, members over there. I know there is a deep learning and writer evolutions happening because I can feel myself growing too. Um, and our last story workshop really got me thinking and inspired for our, my own work. And thank you too to our Facebook group because we really love the supportive community that's happening over there for both emerging and pro writers. Lots of questions are being answered. Writers groups are forming and Lorraine and I are popping in and out to post and comment too. We love interacting with you guys. And the one thing that has come up a lot over on the Facebook group. Because all of us have faced that awful feeling of approaching your script after a tough round of notes and feeling stuck. So to help, we're going to be discussing six things to remember as you approach a rewrite. But first, we're going to be talking with about our weeks or what we like to call adventures in screenwriting. Lorian, how was your week? Uh, my week has been productive and not productive at the same time. Um, I finished up two workshops I was doing in August. And, you know, I always learned so much from those, uh, so much from the writers that I'm working with. They always have such great perspective and challenge me and my views to, to think, oh, well, then I ask myself more questions. And I also verbally process when I lead workshops. So I'm also sort of discovering what I think along the way, which is really helpful because it gives me an opportunity to get out of my head and off the page sometimes and reminds me that I do need to write it out. I do need to talk it out. If it stays in my head, it just, it doesn't really go anywhere. So mm. it's a good reminder for me that I have to write things down if I don't have anyone to talk to. Um, and then the the other thing that I'm realizing is that I've been stuck in this place around my work and probably my life, especially my career of I have to, and I should, like, I have to write, I should write, I have to do this, I have to do this. And someone, a writer I was working with asked me recently, um, why, you know, why am I writing when there's already such great work out there? And I had all kinds of answers to that. But the one that just came up with for me was because I want to, I shouldn't have to justify why I write in order to satisfy someone else's expectations of what that answer might be, like expecting it to be inspirational in some way. You mm. know, I write to tell the truth. I write to figure out the truth. I write to inspire an audience. Or maybe it's just I write because I want to. Maybe that's enough. And by saying I want to makes me the main character in the story again, instead of yeah, I love that. reacting like I have to, I should, I, I'm behind that sort of desperate urgency of like I'm running out of time. And so saying like, oh, I want to write. And then I have to think, well, what do I want to write? Right. So I know what I have to write. I know what I should write. Like I know what the expectations are of me and in my career. But what do I want to write? And I've really had to think about that. And I've come up with some surprising answers for myself. Um, and um, I'm working through if it's to make sure that it's not based on fear, that it is always very clear in the I want to. And yes, the 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 um the the industry is always telling us what we should write. And there are these, what are those called? The the mandates that come out from networks right. that are passed around. And there's there's all this message of this is what it is. And in order for me to be the main character in the story, to have agency, to be the narrative driver here, I have to write what I want to. And hopefully that collides at some point with what someone else wants to see. 
But, you know, I often think about Fleabag. No one was asking for that. But that's what Mm. Phoebe Waller-Bridge wanted to write. You know, no one was like, you know what we need on TV? Think about any of the great shows. Yeah. Or yes, the the bear, the great. I mean, no one of them are just so unique and original to the people. It had to start with the I want to tell this story. I want to write the story. I want to write. And I'm really struggling hard in that space because it means I am a writer and it means I have to accept that what I write isn't going to be perfect, right? I have to, and I should sort of put some restraints on me in terms of the expectation is that you have to, or you should, and it's got to be good. And it has to be due and it has to get into these hands and it has to be read and made. Whereas I want to, it allows me some space to play and have fun and, you know, enjoy myself just a little bit. It's the, I want, (laughs) right? Like I want to read a book that I want to read rather than I have to do the dishes. Now I'm never going to get to the point where I say I want to do the dishes. That's just not within the realm of possibility. And there are lots of shoulds and haves, but I want to write and I have to remember that so that I don't feel trapped in some cage. And, and, you know, I write about people who are in traps of their own making. So this is really important. And I, I struggle with it from like hour to hour, but it's what I'm trying to hold on to in my process as a writer right now, especially with everything that's going on in the world and the industry. I, I have to be able to do what I want to be able to do a little bit. <laughs> so Meg, how was your week? <laughs> well, it's interesting. Um, because you're really, I, I, what I hear in terms of my brain is like, you have to trust the calling. You ha- the, the calling is the want. I get that feeling when I walk into bookstores. <laughs> like, I just really want to write a book someday, but look at all these great books and no way. Um, and I also get that with screenplays or anything I'm writing. And I guess right now I'm feeling so much resistance to write to what I'm writing. And uh, I know it's because it's so much lava. And I'm finding... Every excuse in the book and the world is throwing me a lot of things to just not write because, you know, I have to do these things. Um, So there's a lot of resistance going on. But I'm thinking about the lava that I'm in and I know that it's rich and it's kind of trying to bring it into consciousness. And it made me think about something that I did post on the Facebook group, which I wanted to share, which is I think when we think about theme you know, even when we're on the Patreon and we're asking people, okay, what is this about for you? Then the habit, which we all have, is to pitch the intellectual idea. Or if we we try to dig down into the emotion of it, what is it for the character? What's their transformation? What are they learning? We can get and give, and I'll give you my own, not something from the Patreon, um, kind of these broad ideas like, well, she's learning to find her voice. Right. Which, by the way, is a great place to start. Right. But that's not a theme yet because it's not specific enough because there's a thousand both men and women who have to find their voice. Right. Um, but also so there's a thousand characters or the situations. It's not quite yet. But the other thing I've been realizing dealing with my own lava is if you really look at great films that have emotionally moved you, the emotional thematic, the emotional journey of the character is not black and white. Like, there's no place that I would ever say, well, you shouldn't find your voice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's just, yeah, you should. Right. Um, that when you're really getting close to something powerful, it's gray. And if you really, you can, and I was been thinking about movies. 
and like even some of the broadest, most big studio movies, there is a complexity to their emotional thematic. Like even if you think of Toy Story, right? It's not like he's going to get all the attention he wants by the end. He's accepted the situation. He has realized that friendship with Buzz is important because and there's so many things he's realized about his own. But he will someday be discarded and he is going to have to be this situation is gray. He has still got things to deal with. Right. It's not fixed once he comes to his uh, new realization. You can think about Ratatouille. He's still a rat. Still trying to cook. He's found a place. He's made himself a safe space. He's learned, et cetera. He's claimed his power. But you don't have a sense that, well, you know, he's going to be the toast of Paris. He's still kind of hiding, right? You can think about Tony Stark and Captain America, right? They have to figure out friendship because they disagree so wholeheartedly about values at one in one of the movies. And it's not like that goes away, right? That disagreement, that different in values, it, it it's a hard question. What do you do if one of your most best friends one of the people you connect to deeply, suddenly you have opposite values. How how do you negotiate that? How Do you change? Do you ask them to change? And the answer is yes, and both, and everything and nothing, because it's just one answer in, in that movie or in any movie to a very complex human question, right? Because if I just say finding your voice, well, that could be blue, the French movie Blue, that could be Amadeus, that could be Good Luck Leo Grande, that could be The Piano, that could be The King's Speech, which is literally about finding your voice. I mean, it just goes on and on that there's deeper, more complex human condition thematics that you should be. That's the lava. That's why we keep talking about the lava, because that's the specificity of that gray zone, um, that there isn't an easy answer and it's not going to get better. It's all it's all done now. It's all done now. No, we have a sense that it's an ongoing thing and how they're that they've had they've been transformed to handle it, right? Or to see it in a new way. Um, unless they're changing the world and that's whole other thing. So that's just what I've been pondering as a way not to write my lava. <laughs> I think too what you're talking about, like I always have a problem with the phrase finding your voice and like to say using your voice, because you know, that feels more gray to me. Is this the right time to use your voice? It's usually the wrong time or you use it in a disruptive or way. Or how you use it. Yes. What is yeah. it? You know, uh, what will you sacrifice for it? What should you not sacrifice for it? Right. Like, um, and I think for a lot of female uh, writers, because our lives are often culturally put into tiny boxes and what we're allowed to do, um, we still have to push into those harder questions uh, about what it's like to be a human being, right? Um, so, th and I find that I really have enjoyed the Patreonists pushing people mm -hmm. to this and watching, you know, it's not the easiest thing in the world for these brave souls, but I love watching them start to understand what we're asking, yeah, right? And how, the, how much more potential is inside of what they're doing, that they're kind of at this very kind of thin layer at the top, which is good. And it's a great place to start, but we can feel and tone. Oh my God, there's something so much more compelling down in here. Push, push. Right. I think it's like where I am at a project. Like I want to write about this. I want to write about a woman discovering her voice and having fun and playing with that, what that could look like, and then being challenged in a rewrite. What is it really about? What is this character really 
going on like that journey and then pushing deeper into the lava to start with the lava uh for me can feel uh i don't know how to do that right i'm just like i want to do this and then as well, I often you're around, it's, it's yeah it's drafts yeah. and drafts so the dreamers yeah. dealing with the lava unconsciously until you're ready to get the bang, which is right. what I've gotten. And then I'm like, oh my God, the lava. Right. And by the way, this finding your voice is my thematic. I, I had to do something for somebody named the three films. And it was like, I didn't even realize it until I was like, Amadeus, Blue, and um, the piano. And I'm like, okay, well, geez, that is a big freaking topic and all of them, but they're all so different, right? Um, and they're all about something else underneath there. And not that that isn't in the movies. It is in the movies, but- there's a deeper question happening underneath that, that you're using the container of finding your voice for. Right. That makes sense. Like it's in there, but it's the container. It's the it's the root. It's the track so that you can talk about something that's, you know, you get as a human being or a question that you have. Right. So Which it's just why a rewrite is hard because it's challenging that. Right. Just watching yeah. the people on the Patreon. You know, we got a little excited. We may have shouted a little bit. Like no no but in this, a good this, way this, this, in a good way but like in an encouraging like you could do it you could do it but it, because it we're so excited that we know something else is under there like you said and so a rewrite can feel like you're losing the joy the dreamer piece of it when you have to get in and face the lava and potentially change the project right discover a different question you are asking um and or you know like. Well, you're not even aware that you're asking that question until through notes yes. or hopefully through people who are just asking you questions, yes. you have to answer some questions and realize, oh, wait, 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 wait. I didn't even know I was thinking about that. Like, that's a more complex. I don't know the answer to that. And then I'm like, great. You don't know the answer. Fantastic. Which is um, terrifying. It's terrifying. Which is terrifying. But it's going to be such more rich, uh, much, much more rich Uh writing so, and storytelling what do we do between the i want and the i'm doing a rewrite <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> all right so uh where are we six things to remember when approaching a rewrite all right so just yes. know that we're not yes. lorian six things to remember what would number one be i think number one is Set clear goals and deadlines for yourself. So you set yourself up for success, not failure. So this means setting realistic and attainable goals. So if you're like, I'm going to rewrite this whole script by the end of the week, look at your week. How many hours do you have in your week to write? What sort of things come up normally during your week? Is your kid not feeling well? Are they going to come home from school sick on Tuesday and blow out your writing time? Or, you know, just allow for the possibility that things will sh throw off your time. And so make sure that you are setting realistic goals. Make a plan, right? Which is, am I going to card this? Am I going to outline this? How am I going to approach this so that I feel confident and in control? And another thing I, I suggest that you can do or not is when you set that deadline, have someone you're going to send it to, whether that's, hey, you know, is this working in terms of are the main characters emotionally earned? Does this character have agency? Or you can just send it to someone and say, uh, I'm sending this to you. I'm meeting my deadline. Don't read it, which I've done before because it helps me feel accountable. Uh, one thing a writer I talked to recently does is she sends someone $100 in Venmo and she says, if I don't send you the script by X date, you keep that money, uh, which is negative. That would do it. That would yeah, do it. 
it's negative reinforcement, but it is a way to <laughs> get yourself motivated to meet that deadline. Because when we're writing for ourselves, we often, oh, I'll just do another week. I'll do another week. Things come up. So being clear and focused about what your plan is up front and realistic about it, because what can happen, as we all know, we're like, I'm going to do that in a week. And then something happens and you don't get as far as you want to on the first or second day. And then you think, ah, fuck it. This is ruined now. I'm never going to meet that deadline. But you also, I also always, 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 I cannot stop doing this. I always underestimate the amount of yes. time it takes to actually write it. Yes. I, I, every time, every time I'm like, I can do that in a week. And then I'm like, oh my God, just to physically type this is, you know, I mean, it's just like, I don't know what I'm thinking every Which time. I just ran these accountability workshops. You know, we met once a week. And at the beginning, I said this, that realistic accountable goals and everybody set a goal and they all sounded great. In a month, sure, you could do this. And then shit happens. It takes longer to write or your character's not paying attention or something happens in your life. And so it really is like, okay, I can write 20 minutes a day. I can write an hour a day. I'm going to work on three scenes a day. Make sure that it is very specific because just I'm going to start the rewrite makes it feel like you're diving into an ocean at night with no gear or swimsuit on, right? So make sure you're going to set very clear, realistic, attainable goals for yourself and think practically about the time you have and the life you live. End of lecture. I love that. And I will do that. I'm committing to doing that because I need to do that. It's really um, hard. But when you look at yeah, it, you're like, oh, I have two hours a day. Okay. That's one to two scenes a day. I think I can really dig into maybe three. If I get a little bit more done. Yes. I got a little bit more done yesterday. And then it's going to blow up. So just get ready. And yes. so just put in blow up time. Just yes. just schedule it right in there. Yeah. Um, I number two, when you're approaching a rewrite. So hopefully you've gotten notes from people, writers group, friend, and you've probably got a pile of them. Um, I, what I like to do is I like to go through the notes. And I did this when I was at UCLA and just really start writing them down in categories or clumps or, and then really look for the biggest note, the biggest one. Because the tendency is to say, I just have to get started with the rewrite. I'm totally panicking. I just need to get something done. I need to accomplish something. So this terrible feeling of having dust in my hands goes away. So I'm just going to start writing. And you start to, go, you open up your document and you start noodling around with page notes, which I, by the way, when I give notes, I don't even give page notes because, you know, unless you're going to shoot in production, you don't need page notes. So what you're doing is you're fixing the symptoms. And meanwhile, the disease is still down there. And all I'm going to tell you is you're going to be right back here because you're just going to get the you're just going to get more new symptoms. The next set of notes are just going to be new symptoms. You didn't fix the disease. So what I do is I start looking for engine core and story engine problems. And I'm going to just maybe do this rewrite is just to figure out that problem, because often a lot of the other problems go away because they were symptoms of this problem. So. You know, it can be deceiving a little like when people said when I came on Inside Out and people were like, we don't like joy. I'm like, that's a really big note. It's a really it sounds simple, like just make her funnier. No, it's a giant note. Right. So it can be deceiving. What is the big notes? But go look at your story. Go look at thematically, emotionally. What is this about? Do you understand? Do you have something that is about emotionally or is it one of those kind of broader things and you aren't really digging down into 
lightness because that's the core base engine. Is your tone right? Do you know what genre you're doing? Can you really nail the tone? Do you have a clean, a clear main character who has an emotionally relatable goal that the audience wants too? Is it the problem the goal isn't clear? That they're actively, you've set them up now in this engine to actively go for it. Them, they are going to create the, the, the story. And are there stakes and conflict to that that are high enough that I'm kind of holding my breath, right? That I'm kind of like, wow, what's going to happen? Because they want this, but there's so much. In, in, how are they ever going to do it? That's what you get that Andrew Stanton lean in, right? Because you're setting up expectations. And the other way you set up expectation is, is there a plan in act one so that the audience has a sense of what they want to happen or should happen or could happen? And then, of course, none of it's going to happen, right? Or it's going to happen in a way that we didn't see coming. We didn't expect it to happen that way. And so that and the conflict to that, right? So that you're forcing in act two, maybe you don't have a big enough conflict. So it's not really giving you the juice that you need. And people are making all these comments in act two, but you have to really look at the conflict. And once you kind of get down, and then you can also look at the main relationship. I always go back to, okay, is my main relationship clear um, emotionally that's tracking the main character through this relationship? Once I, so I personally, in a rewrite, will always go back to those questions. And sometimes I'll be even call my manager and be like, is it the tone? Is it that the genre isn't clear to you? And the other thing that's a part of this is world. Of course, I should not forget one of the really important ones is world. Is the world clear? You know, a lot of people creating these TV pilots are not really understanding world. I, when we say world, I'm not talking about because you've got a sci-fi movie and you have to create world rules. I'm talking about you have to create a world, especially for television. That is what TV is. It's going into worlds. And sometimes you're getting all these notes because people don't understand what is this? What is this world, right? And that's the clarity you need. I mean, that might be gathering photos. It might be just really mulching around in terms of well, what would be interesting and where do I want to be each week, even though it might be uncomfortable, but I'm kind of dying to be there to see what happens. So um, those I always say go when you start your rewrite, instead of just panic writing into I mean, if you have to do it, but better to be brave, look at the notes and really dive down with you or a friend helping you into this is the and once you have that big note, everything starts rearranging, right? Like dominoes start shifting and I start what I will then is go back um, to outline. But before we get there, of course, the really big one, which is number three, uh, which Lauren, you and I will talk about together is, you know, part of that engine, honestly, is why do you want to tell this story? I think when you get notes, you can get really overwhelmed because everybody else's whys are starting to unconsciously come in because maybe yours wasn't clear. So they're just giving you a note and trying to figure out what it is. But that may not be the rudder for your movie. So if you're going to start a rewrite, you have to really sit down and think again why you're writing this from that deep emotional question that we talked about. So I, I agree. I think that... Um... If, and, you know, when you're writing something that is even remotely personal, which should be most of the things that we write, when you are challenged, it can feel like a challenge. And then you can start to doubt what you were trying to say and that need for um, validation can knock you back a little bit. And then you lose confidence in what is the story I'm trying to tell and why do I want to tell it? What's important to you? And this is why you go through so many rewrites to get to this. 
because sometimes you go off in the wrong direction and you have and don't to- stay up in your intellect when you answer that question of why. Right. Right. We're asking, like, what is your favorite scene that if we were to take it out of this movie or this TV show, it wouldn't be yours anymore. Right. It's sitting right in there. Right. Something very specific. And usually we're asking you to go deeper. Don't you might be doubting, but we're actually asking you to do more with the character you have. Go deeper with this character. Make it harder on them emotionally. Yeah. I have a script where I got lost. I've talked about this on the show. I got so many notes. I sent it to too many people and I totally lost the script. I had to go all the way back to the beginning and I'd look at those two scenes and the one where they were both in extreme emotional distress. Uh, well, extreme emotional states of being, but with complications under it, right? One is her yelling and having a fit and embarrassing herself and her friends, but under it is a desperate, a desperate want to have what she had. Right. And then the end scene is she has captured a tiny bit of what she had before, but it is not the same. And there's a sadness under the her pretending to be happy in this moment. So for me, those two things anchor the pilot and they anchor the show that she's always masking one or the either. And that's what I want to talk about. Um, but it took me a long time. I took them both out. I put them both back in. I removed, you know, I moved them around trying to figure out where those two scenes went. Um, and I don't know if I accomplished it or not, but that was a really good exercise for me was looking at those two scenes. I love what connects them and what separates them. And in that was the conversation I was trying to have in my script. All right. So number four. You have made yourself a schedule. You've gone down deep, looked at the engine, really, really gone under the hood, found the big, big problems, been brave, thought of some solutions, maybe even re-outlined based on that new thing. You're remembering why you want to do this. You're digging into that emotional um, why of it. And then we want you as number four to still have fun and still experiment. So I think you can really lock down, like I have to write this. And it now you can just go all the way back, right? You should still be experimenting here. You should still, okay, before you start writing, maybe do some experimental what ifs because on the based on the ideas that you think you need to rewrite and the new idea you have for her goal or the new the new world definition you have well do some writing exercises let yourself go and just don't put so much pressure on i have to write the script well no you don't take your 2 hours today of writing and say you're going to do a writing exercise based on the things you think you need to fix you could be a, you could just write a scene right you could, I, I, you need to keep that spontaneity and fun inside of the rewrite or it's going to get deadened. Um, and it's hard to do, but I do find it helps give me motive to keep writing because I like this scene so much and I don't know where it came from and it's not even going to be in there, but it, it it just fills me with, okay, I should keep going because I don't know where this came from. Yeah. And there's all kinds of exercises you can do and classes you can take and people you can talk to and calling a friend and they can challenge you and come up with prompts for you. Cause sometimes it's hard to come up with those exercises on your own. You could just say, give me an object, give me a location and give me a comp- you know, a conflict of some kind and another character. And then you have to write that scene with your character at the center of it. Like she wants a wine opener and she's stuck in an outhouse and you know, there's a big storm and no, your character would never be in that situation in the world you've created, but 
It might help you uncover how is she going to get out of that situation? It might help you discover how she's resourceful or not. Does she give up easily or not? So it, those kinds of things can be fun in terms of discovering character moments outside of whatever you've outlined or a note you've gotten. Well, when I figured out, wait, I don't actually know the world I'm in for this TV show or I thought I did, but I think it's not right anymore. Um, I just went and started looking at photographs and pulling photographs. And I was like, okay, here's her world. Here's his world. Here's the problem. Here's when they confluence. And then I found pictures of them and their different moods and just to try to get a sense of the show. Right. Um, and that helped me. It, it helped calm me down in order to be able to go back and write. So I don't know if I'll ever show anybody that stuff other than my writing partner. But, you know, it's I don't know if I, it, I, it's not a presentation. It's just a keynote for myself. And and especially when you have a writing partner so that you make sure you're actually writing the same show, because part of it was we figured out, wait a minute, he's writing for a totally different world. Like you don't realize it. And, but once you get visuals going, he was like, oh, they're living in th what? Like I was like, oh, OK, OK, this is this is very helpful to get this kind of clarity. That's fun. I like doing stuff like that because it's work, but it's also a little bit of a break and a little bit fun. But you got to yes. have the discipline to go back. You got to yes. give yourself a time limit. I'm going to do this for a little bit and then use what I have because we all get sucked into those wormholes so easily. So I know easy. things about the world from getting lost in Wikipedia that would boggle. Now, if I could remember them, but I've gotten lost in the Wikipedia, whatever that zone is. Someone should write a movie about that, getting lost in the Wikipedia, <laughs> <laughs> all the worlds colliding. <laughs> so number five is judgment. It's really easy to judge yourself while you're doing this. That's not good enough. This is broken. I broke it. I'm running out of time. All those negative voices. So a way to shift that is to put your brain into a more of a noticing place rather than a judgment or an assessment and just noticing your process, noticing how you work best, noticing what you write that works well, and noticing what the distractions are around you without judgment. So I write best in the afternoon from about three to eight. My daughter gets home from school at 3.30 and goes to bed at 8.30. So it's not ideal for my family life. So I have to figure out different solutions, um, which means I need a chunk of time somewhere else in the day that I'm not going to get distracted. It's about noticing what works and noticing what doesn't work and making adjustments to those small things if you need to, rather than thinking it's a systemic issue because that will shut you down. This is broken. I need to approach this in a whole new way. Maybe a rewrite isn't the time to reevaluate your entire process and how you approach your process and your identity as a writer. So notice what works and notice what might be distracting you and getting you in the way and then make small adjustments. Awesome. I'm going to go do that too. Um, okay. And number six is just do it. Keep going. Honest to God, like I can't even That's tell right. you that is mostly what it is. Mostly what it is, is sitting your butt down and writing and trying stuff and hitting your head against the wall till it's a bloody pulp and saying, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And I hate that myself. That's my scary place is I don't know the answer. This didn't work. I just spent all this time. Guess what? Go again and go again and just sit and do it. And that is it. You have yeah. to just keep trying things, rewriting it again, 
if you rewrote it and it fell into dust again, okay, that happens. I've watched I've watched geniuses at Pixar have dust in their hands. Guess what? Go again. So it's just literally about you have to keep going. You have to keep, and it will form. It will. It will. Um, and it's good to have your support group around you telling you to keep going, but it's really about doing it. And I need to take my own advice. Ta-da. Yeah. <laughs> I think number six is probably the core of it, the real answer. You could do one through five in any order, in any version or different versions of them. But number six is the most important one. Even open if you don't the document. do one name through the, five. Right. Don't Just make a open schedule. a document. Yep. Open a blank document. Name it and write Save anything. It. Save it and write anything. <laughs> yep. Uh, and see what comes out. I personally like doing that prep work before of one through five because it helps me get in and but you know what if that doesn't work for you you just gotta open a document i swear to god especially i was working on pixar half my day was just about okay just open the document meg just open the document because i was so scared that what i was gonna write was gonna be shitty and it's due like we're going so fast and i would just be all i gotta do is open a document and name it and just okay what do i know i know this Okay, write that down. Okay, that doesn't work. It doesn't matter. Okay, just write it down. And it does. It starts to, the story starts to take over. And, uh, you know, so sorry, you're not special. You have to just do like the rest of us. One one exercise you can do, Meg, I know you're a, a proponent of this and I have yet to do it, but I'm kind of excited to try it, is you have a scene and you've got lots of notes on it or you know it's the scene, right? This is a scene you love, but people don't get it. Put that scene somewhere else, open a new document and rewrite the scene so that you're not stuck in the world of that, those action lines and that dialogue and that you just sort of like starting. Mm. It's just you have the old one. It's right there. Rewrite it. Anywhere. Right. Rewrite it. It might give you some freedom. Like I'm going to change the genre. I'm going to write this as a Western and see what comes up, even if you need more freedom to do whatever with it. Um, and push it, man. Take that yeah. scene or take a scene that doesn't work and push it. And I, I mean, push the character, push the tone, push how their reaction, how big it is. Like you might have them saying, you know what, dad, that hurt me and walking out the door. I want you to have them punch him in the face and run over and grab scissors and decide I'm not going to stab you. Let me just uh, you're welcome. Like push it you're not it doesn't have to go in, the, in your versions are so violent i'm like stab him and set him on fire and you're like punch him in the face we have some issues in our have issues going on yeah um, but i'm but just saying keep asking yourself push it. how can i make this worse for my main character how can i make this even worse how can i make this even worse and then now how do they get out of that yeah and i i just really love the idea of you know i don't know that main characters are neurotypical i just don't know that they are there's a reason that they are the hero because they're going to do some crazy shit or think of things a crazy way. And that's what we are delighted. We're just delighted by the way they think and behave and act. And especially for female writers, we we get a little bit wrapped up in being good and nice. And, oh, my God, we're so afraid of that power of being big. And again, yeah. if your character's not big, that's fine. But even... If you watch stories of very quiet, shy people, there's always a scene in the beginning that shows you what is underneath there. So the audience knows, oh, this is a volcano that is tapped, 
right? It's not just a shy person walking around doing nothing. Like I see the what they are what they could do if they ever weren't shy <laughs> or whatever. You know what I mean? Even these quiet characters, they're bubbling, man, and I need to see the bubble. So those yeah. are those are some things. And all that is just keep going. You got to yes. you know, you're not going to get there thinking about it. You're not going to get there talking about it. Nope. Eventually, you're going to just have to sit down and open the document and keep going. Yeah, you can write lists, right? What is the grocery list my character would have? What would my character take on a camping trip, right? Even just to get into who your character is, what they think is important. But I want that list to have some uniqueness, right? I don't want my grocery list. No, dynamite. It's wish fulfillment. We're writing wish fulfillment, right? What do I wish I could put on my grocery list, right? I would never go camping, but if I did, I would bring a duvet. I would bring a bed. Uh, I wouldn't go. I would move a whole. See, I already love her. Place. I already love her that she's already brought like basically like a, a, a you know a, a camp a, a pillows and duvets and you know I already am like who's that but and why is she the hell is she out camping anyways? Um, she was forced to. <laughs> <laughs> so I like just even if you can't think of anything to write, just start writing, right? That's what we, that's what I was talking about at the beginning of the show, right? I have to write, I have to process in words, no matter what those words are, where they come from, but that might, I'm going to write the camping scene. I'm going to write a hotel scene. I'm going to write, you know, an airplane scene. And it gets you back into connecting to the writing and the process of that or write by hand, but it really is keep going writing. And so Lori gets so many questions about rewriting. I know because it's so hard because it's hard. Lorian, it's also yes. can be fun. It can be super fun as things start to bubble and, and show themselves. So Lorian, what happens yeah. when you know all these six things? You maybe even tried them for a little bit, but you're just paralyzed. You're just completely shut down and you nothing's mean, happening. Maybe that's be- maybe anything else. Well, yeah, you're doing everything else. You've cleaned out all your closets. And uh, and maybe that's because the notes were so big. You've taken a big hit emotionally about your sense of self has taken as a writer. I think that can paralyze people in terms of their dreams and expectations of who they were. Mm-hmm. And the notes have started to f- make you feel maybe that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that can be a paralyzing thing. I think sometimes we can get paralyzed and this is, by the way, I'm not just talking about emerging writers. I'm talking about pro writers, too, that the idea you have is just still a little bit beyond your craft level. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so complex. It's such high story math. By the way, I'm not telling you not to do it. You should do it. That's how your craft level is going to go up. Um, but it can be intimidating, right? Like, how the hell do I do this? This great idea I have. Um, what are some things we can do when we're paralyzed for whatever reason? And so Jeff, I, I think that you too want to jump in here on this. So um yeah. sorry, go ahead, Lorian. I am have actively in this conversation with myself. I wrote a feature script in 2017 and I thought it was pretty good. And I brought it to a group of very uh good writers in 2020, I think, and I got notes on it, and the notes were generous and thoughtful. And I cried for two hours after I got off the note session call, because I realized it was beyond my craft at that moment to figure out that story. And I left it alone for a really long time. Recently, I reread it. And I thought, I'm a much better writer now. I know how to fix this. 
that my craft has developed in a way to catch up with the story I wanted to tell. So I'm going to rewrite it. And I'm not afraid anymore. And I think part of it was assigning my value as a person, as a writer, to the feedback I got. And now sort of rereading it and like, oh, it was just that disconnect between what I was trying to do and my craft. And it was because the story was so personal to me too, right? It's not personal, but it it's, yeah, it's lava. So much of my lava. And I didn't know how to tell as sophisticated a story as I wanted to tell. So for me, the right thing to do was get more skills. Unfortunately, it was put it away and let it sit. By writing, by By writing, not necessarily by going to more classes or you have to write. I just want to make everybody clear. You got to write quantity. Quantity gets your craft level up. Quantity people. Working on other stuff. I've been reading scripts. I've been uh, you know, working on my craft as a storyteller and as a person and learning that that script doesn't define me as a writer. And I, and I think it, 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 it was really hard for me to go through that process and it felt uh, scary. And anytime anyone would read it, I'd be like, I, I, I'm going to rewrite it. Right. It was a sort of constant apology around it. Um, and what that, it felt like shame to me. It felt like shame. And now I feel like I'm out of the shame of it. And, so and let me just me, say to you, thank goodness that you felt that and you kept writing other things, right? Because yeah. that's the worst thing that could happen is you feel that and then you don't write something else. You put yeah. it away and don't write something else. So I want to say to all of you who've been there, and I've been there too, boy, was I there when I, especially when I was an emerging writer. Oh my God, I was there. And you just have to have a little bit of grit and say, okay, maybe this is, I'm going to put this away right now and I'm going to start a new thing and go again. And it is just quantity, people. It is not magic. They're not special beings who get to be writers. It is quantity. Go again. Go again. I'm telling you. Ray yeah. Bradbury agrees with me. We yeah. found a quote. Yes. I, but for me, that paralysis comes from shame and fear that is attached to my identity as a writer and as a person. And which sort of goes into the script. So if I can create a space where I am not looking for external validation so aggressively in terms of the work, then I can separate myself from the feedback and producing something perfect. So for me, that means shifting to, I want to write this. That gives me permission to write it any way I want it, right? I want to do the rewrite of that feature, so I'm going to. I don't have to and I shouldn't. It, it For me, it's about that. And I know there are other, I know there are bigger answers. And Jeff, I know you had some things to uh, contribute here, which I really want to hear. But for me, like the deeper issues are shame and fear and not being perfect. And that even if I rewrite this, my hope is, yeah, it's going to be amazing. And I'm going to get an actress attached and it's going to be this huge thing, but I might still need to do more rewrites on it. And I'm, I might still have more craft <laughs> to learn to develop that particular script. Um, yeah. I don't know. Does that answer the question? Is that what you asked me? I don't remember. It's on my mind right now. <laughs> That's one great answer. That's paralysis from shame and or and or craft level. Thank um, you for validating me. You're welcome. Turns out I did need it. No, I need confirmation from adults. Not, not, I was going to say, I'm confirming You're that confirming. you've been heard and I yes. agree that I'm adults, confirming it. Adults need confirmation. Children need, no, adults want confirmation. Children need validation. There you go. Okay, Jeff, what do you think about it? You know, I mostly just want to like echo, I think 
honestly, what Lorian just said, I really connected with what you just shared. So thank you for sharing it. Um, I think like I need to just, I'm rewriting something right now and just constantly try to be a little nicer to myself than my brain wants to be. Um, because it's, writing's just really hard and you have to remind yourself that a rewrite is by nature gonna, it's gonna be shitty, you know? And it's a, it can feel like a ping pong game of one half of, like even within the same scene, there's good stuff happening, but then there's stuff showing up that needs to show up for the rewrite to teach you something that is just doesn't represent the height of your powers as a creative. And I just think that's like a very hard place to sit. So just like telling myself like, it's okay that this is bad. Like just keep writing. This is one rewrite. You're going to go back and rewrite this again. Um, but that could just, it, for, so for me, it's less shame and more panic that everything I thought I was good at as a writer disappeared. So I'm like, I don't know. where does that panic come from, Jeff? Yeah. See, now, we're gonna, see? now we're going to do this the thing. <laughs> yeah. This is the lava. Why? Yeah, this panic? is it. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah, why. because no one will like yeah. me because my mom will be ashamed because Laura will divorce me and I'll be alone in a gutter in New York City. That's why. Oh my gosh, is it shame and abandonment, Jeff? Is that what <laughs> it is? Someone out there. I think there's someone out there. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yes. And meanwhile, the poor story and the muse in charge yeah. of this story is like, right. oh Jeff. So, Please don't put the weight of that yeah. on us. We yeah. just and want to tell the story and you we've chosen you for a reason. There's a reason we chose you, Jeff, because clearly we believe in you. This muse has come and given you the story. So that muse b- believes in you. It doesn't want the weight of of all of that. So for that muse, Jeff, for yes. that muse. Exactly. Ahead, so I'll let them going. I'll let the and, muse be the motivation. And do other things too. keep writing or creating other things like we can put so much weight. I have I'm writing this one feature. This is it. This will be my calling card. Maybe on the side you're writing poetry or a song or a short that's all just fun and abstract and full. You know, it's not about structure or, you know, it's just the beginnings of something. It's fun. So making sure that you're still doing things that make you feel good. As a writer, as a creative is really important and something I often forget. It's hard for me, for my brain to shift from one project to the other. I like to do one thing, get it done, do it well and move on, which when we're writers, it's a little bit of a challenge. So it's about having some little thing um, and it has to be writing. I have been using a crutch in terms of coaching other writers, working on them with their creative projects and getting very into them and satisfied by the work we're doing together, but it's not me writing. Uh, so well, it just for another for another uh, exercise, I was a guest on a podcast that Stuart Wright does that I'll put on the Facebook page and stuff when it's going to drop. But you know what he does, which I thought was so great, is he takes a book, maybe it's a picture book. It could be like one book he has right now is um, Weird Places in London to Visit. And it's just pictures of crazy, weird sp- spots in London. And every morning he picks a picture in the book. He starts on page one and he goes through and he ra- hand writes three pages of a character in that space and what's happening. And he does it every morning. I love that. And it's so great. And he, he there was one something like there was another book he said he uses called like it's like very Wes Anderson looking, meaning they're, it's not Wes Anderson shots, but they just feel like they should be in a Wes Anderson movie. And that might have people in it or it might have. So you can take a book of pictures and then every morning just write handwrite or whatever you want to do a character in that space just to get it flowing, just to get the water in the dry riverbed, especially if you're paralyzed. Put your script aside. 
take one of Lorian's character t- workshops will get you going. Do this work, this thing every morning. Just because he said morning pages don't work for him in terms of very autobiographical. And that's fair. Then don't do that. But the characters will talk, right? Um, so I really loved that. Thank you, Stuart Wright. I loved, I thought that was amazing. I think right now I'm paralyzed because of two reasons. One is I really don't want it to all fall apart. <laughs> I really don't. I, you Why? know, I've been what's I've under been, that Meg? Why? No, well, because I've been I've been rewriting and now I'm stuck because I'm like, oh my God, if I do this do- oh, go through this door, I have enough experience to know it, this door, the whole thing could fall apart. But I know intellectually it's if it falls apart, it's supposed to, and I better do it quick because there's something bigger and better underneath. I do so know scary. that. It's that I hate that feeling when you're like, okay, I'm gonna but go like, with oh a sledgehammer. I don't I don't have time I for it. it. Yeah. I don't have time to, for it to fall apart. I don't have time. But you know what? Fuck, that's artistry. So I'm and and I'm working with my husband as a writer who loves to play, right? So he's always like, Oh, I know. What if this? And I'm like, wait a minute will break that it'll break that and he's like just who cares break it and i'm like oh my god you know sometimes i need to do the one to play too and he's he'll he'll do that we'll switch roles but oh my god i just don't want it to fall apart and i think the other reason is i'm paralyzed you guys is um so usually i don't get paralyzed because i'm fighting for my characters because i want them to live so like i was saying to you jeff the muse do it for her do it for them but i also do it for my characters because if i don't sit down and just dump into that lava and that rewrite they're going to into the ether they go. They're never going to exist. No one's ever going to know all that work. No one's going to ever know my characters, except I'm realizing some part of me is afraid for them to live. What do you mean? Well, because it's so much lava, man. It's so much lava. And my unconscious oh, you brain. you have to walk with them as well, my, they live. Well, if I actually sold this and it went out into the world, some part mm-hmm. of me is terrified. It's not autobiographical. At all. I'm not like worried about people being mad at me. Nothing. There's nothing. out of, But there is something in it that's so lava that some part of my brain is, should it move? Really? Should it? Do you really want to put that in the world if you're going to go that deep? In the, and of course I do. And is my highest self and myself right now. But I think some unconscious thing is like, no, apps don't, don't. We've been working for 50 years to not go here. Do not go here. But this, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna have to do it. And when you work at Pixar, you're going so fast. There's so much pressure. You hit those walls of like, oh my god, don't go there. Too bad. It's due at eleven o'clock, and it's eight o'clock in the morning. So just go. So like, I wrote that scene where she comes home to her parents and says, which wasn't. It was broken on. You know, we we broke it out in scenes, but I don't even know what's going to happen in this scene. And I just wrote, "You want me to be happy, but I'm not." And I was like, "Oh my god." That's what I wanted to say when I was 11 years old to my parents and I wasn't brave enough, but she is. But it was partly the speed that allowed that thing to come up and not get the top on it. And uh, so I think I just have to, uh, that's why I'm paralyzed because I'm afraid you need to put of some it. pressure on yourself. Maybe. I, do. Like, I need to give you a hundred dollars, Lorian. <laughs> yeah. You need to Venmo me a hundred dollars. And if I don't get that script mailed to me and I won't read it, right. I'm not going to give you notes or anything, but it's like, I'll be expecting it and I'm going to be a jerk about it too. No, I don't. I'll tell you why. Cause I'm writing this with my husband and he is having a great time and yeah. he is, he's moving man because it's, it is his lava because of course you have to mm-hmm. d- dig to something mm-hmm. deep enough. Um, but he's also very aware it's very my personal stuff. So 
it, it, it's going to help. You know, he's away right now, so I get to pretend yeah. I'm not working. It's so funny. I desperately want my stuff out there for people to see. My fear is that I don't have the craft to be able to execute it in the way that it needs to be up there. That's yeah. what's getting in my way. And that is because I'm not my paralyzing, whatever. I'm paralyzed because I am so afraid of showing that I'm not some professional writer that living up to the expectations of what people think and expect of me that I'll they'll see they'll know the truth right it's so, so funny I think that's why artists do have to have a tiny touch of narcissistic arrogance because you have to somehow believe it's valuable enough and right. that your craft will be out there enough um it's I think it's why it exists yeah so it's a balance right I know I'm really good at this but not so great at this? Or is that a lie? Have I reversed them, right? So then all those self-doubty stuff. So then I have to just be like, you know what? I want to write this. So I'm writing it. And then I'm going to rewrite it. And then I'm going to rewrite it again. And I will go on the journey of this thing because I do want my shit to be out there. The world deserves to see the truth about my nonsense. <laughs> I think the other reason you can get paralyzed like when you're saying I'm going to write it again and rewrite it again, I think that you get fatigue can set in. Oh, yeah. Of how many times, how many projects can I be right? And I'm still not, quote unquote, there. And um, I think, too, and I right, think that's legit when we say, oh, 20, 30 rewrites. I think that's like, oh, my God, I'm only on the second rewrite. I thought I was going to fix it in this one. And now you're telling me I have 28 more like that feels like some unachievable, like climbing one little hill and then looking up and seeing this giant mountain in front of you. So you have to just tackle one little hill at a time. Bird by bird, man. Yep. As our friend Annie Lamont says, bird by bird, just do, take the first bird and do it. And let's go to the next. Yep. But mostly just do it. But mostly just do Stomp it. Stomp around in it and see what happens. <laughs> and pay your friend $100. And pay your friend $100. <laughs> I don't have to decide if that one's healthy or not. Like the negative I don't know either. <laughs> I might try it. Try it. Yeah. All right. I think I think that those are our our best pieces of advice if you're staring down the rewrite uh, shoot as I am as well. So thanks so much for tuning in today. Good luck on your rewrites. And remember, you are not alone and keep writing.